Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new Just got, I was about it's to like day. email you and say I'm supposed to get my phone in the mail, so I may have to run and answer the door because I'm not missing it. But they literally just got here like five minutes oh, ago. <laughs> so <good>. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna spend your day setting up your new phone. Yep, that's cool. that's my Saturday. Fun, and fun. that's fine. <laughs> Dope. Um. So a friend of mine recently pointed out we've never introduced ourselves on the podcast. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> She's um, like, and neither of you say who you are, so they could they could just uh, infer that. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, what? How do we do that? I, 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 what do people do? I guess what. <laughs> Do I say like follow me on Instagram? I don't know. I don't know if we need to do that, but uh, I'm James Crowley. Hi, I'm Marissa Winkowski. <laughs> and welcome to the Burger Day podcast. Yeah. That was kind of natural. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Real Good Bread. You can follow me <laughs> on Instagram at jcrowley68. And I have a Twitter, but I don't use it, so you don't have to follow that. Oh, I'm an avid tweeter. Um, oh, you are? Oh, it's it's so bad. Um, I got back on Twitter recently. I tell a joke about this. Um, because, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, you know, I used to, like, get blackout drunk, and then I would tweet at celebrities. Um, but it was never... <laughs> But it was never like, it was never like things like that normal people would tweet like, like, hey, at Beyonce, I love you so much. Or like at Marilyn Manson is overrated. It was like I would tweet at Simon Cowell and only Simon Cowell repeatedly talking about how he doesn't know anything about music and he ruined music. Um yeah, I mean, and then, and then focus on one target, and yeah. then maybe they'll they'll see you. I think I was just on a mission to get blocked by Simon Cowell on Twitter. Um, That's like a really good thing you can brag about. Is that a celebrity blocked you on Twitter? Yeah, I but, think. But I think that's a bragging. <laughs> I imagine if Simon Cowell saw my tweets, he was like, "Why is this little American boy that tweets about <laughs> stupid emo bands tweeting at me?" Simon Cowell probably has other people tweeting for yeah. him, but I also like the idea of Simon Cowell like frequently checking to see if he got any hate mail today. <laughs> I wonder if he does. He probably doesn't, to be totally honest. Doesn't what? Get hate mail. Eh, people don't like him. Also, people haven't thought about him in a while, well, as far as I that's know. Why, that's why it's really embarrassing that I was tweeting him when I was drunk. <laughs> I want to tweet at like for American Idol 2006 <laughs> be like you shouldn't have made it as far as you did <laughs> I wonder you if were not good I wonder how he's doing I'm sure he's doing fine 
I, yeah. living a quiet life. I don't know. Maybe put out an album that no one listened to. I feel like what ends up happening with a lot of the American Idol people is like sometimes they're like the featured person at like regional benefits. And they get mm-hmm. the billing, like, as seen on American Idol. And then they do, like, one original song. And then, like... Yeah, I feel like even if you win American Idol, like, even if you do the best oh, yeah. you could possibly do, they usually put out one album, it fails, and then they make, like, a gospel album. And then they get, like, that audience. And yeah. that's it. The only person that was ever really successful was, um... What's her name? Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Um... And Carrie Underwood, but that's, but again, that's, like, win, a country right. artist. She didn't win, right? I don't think so. And Okay. Um, like, Adam Lambert's successful. Jordan Sparks is, success- is successful. But yeah, like- they're successful in that way that, like, people know have heard of them, but they're not, you know, they're not quite Kelly Clarkson yeah. level. Well, Adam Lambert think. sings for Some, Every once in a while, I'm like, have you got, do you guys remember Taylor Hicks? <laughs> Ever, nobody has any idea who I'm talking about, but, but I like, watched that season. He won. Yeah. So. He's on Broadway now. I think. Is he? I don't know if he's like on I right just now. Remember, uh, people spray painted their hair gray because he had gray hair. Like they were a fan and they voted for him. Was he old for American Idol? No, he was young. That was like why it was funny that he had gray hair. He okay. just got gray hair super young. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So that you got to get a gimmick, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So there's no way to gracefully transition to Nina Simone. I guess not. <laughs> But here we go. <laughs> um, I watched it last. What was your familiarity with her before this? Um, I wasn't very familiar, to be totally honest. Like, I, I knew the name. I'd heard some of her music. And, you know, I, I was able to acknowledge she was a very good, talented singer. But, like, none of her stuff has ever stuck with me. Um, and she's been sampled in a couple of like rap songs that I like, but that's about it. She, she is very commonly sampled. That's true. Um, Um, I had never seen this documentary, but I should have, because I consider myself like a fan. Like I, I like her a lot. She, I I think because I went through a period of time where I was like, uh, listening to a lot of like old jazz in the dark (laughs) in college, um, with like candles lit. Like that was just, (laughs) that was just like a mood. So it was like, I would listen to Nina Simone, um, Billie Holiday and, and like Ella Fitzgerald. Um, and that was just, that was, I still do that sometimes, but it's, it's a mood, but yeah, I'm a fan. I, I like her a lot. Um, but I knew very little about her life before this documentary. Yeah. I, I knew that she was important in the civil rights movement and that was Mm -hmm. kind of it. Yeah. And she was. I like that they devoted a big chunk of the, it to that. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that was um, the most interesting part of the documentary. For sure, yeah. yeah. She was an activist. like, and, and I think that a lot of people... Like, that's like an important thing to remember, that she was an activist in addition to being a musician. Yeah. 
And I think kind of like, you know, we're sort of in a period now where, you know, there are a lot of like rap and R&B artists that are activists, but I don't think we have anyone that's as aggressively, I don't want to say aggressively, that's like... No, I know, that's so like part of the cause that it's like part of their music and their art. Because, you know, it's, you know, I kind of think of someone like Kendrick Lamar, who, you know, I love and is super progressive, but like, I think it's easy to sort of separate the music from his activism if you want to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't really do that with Nina Simone. Nina Simone, like, was really, we we don't have a Nina Simone equivalent because she was so unique in not just in her music but like in her image and her personality um yeah i don't i don't really think we have someone like that right now where their activism is so tied to like the music they produce yeah um yeah because and even then sorry what were you saying go ahead even that like um i like that they uh made sure to mention in the documentary that some of her songs were collaborative. Like they, she didn't write some of those songs. Like they were with other like artists and activists and writers and poets who were also very involved in the civil rights movement. Yeah. And I kind of like that too. Cause I think, you know, to draw equivalents, you know, we don't have a Nina Simone, but I think that that is sort of like what's happening right now with a lot of like mainly hip hop and R and B, but you know, in, uh, you know, there's so many communities that are like coming together and like putting together shows and like compilations and things for, you know, civil rights and, Mm -hmm. you know, women's rights, trans rights. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I'm trying to. Think. Uh, I wrote notes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I came prepped. Um. Oh yeah, that was another thing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, like towards the beginning when she was talking about being a classical pianist first and how that's where her training yeah. was, and the th- I I thought it was really interesting and really telling that she changed her name to Nina Simone, not because she was trying to like create a stage name, like to be famous, but because she was hiding from her very religious parents who would think she was playing like the devil's music, which is uh, like jazz, which yes. is, I thought that was something that like white people said <laughs> that, that like <laughs> but it's jazz was jazz was like, tra- you know, at the time that it yes. was like a, a lower form of art. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because jazz was such an important part of that movement. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of, it is one of those things that she is just varied as an artist, too. Just because, mm-hmm. you know, from going, you know, I was kind of interested in, like, how she was able to, like, so s- seamlessly play classical music and, like, jazz and like then gospel and what would end up being r&b and like yeah you know she had elements of folk but like all in all she kind of crossed over into being a pop star 
Yeah, <laughs> that all kind of happened by accident. Because, like, I I guess the reason she was such... Because jazz is a lot of, um, like, free-flowing and, yeah. like, not following... I mean, it obviously it involves technique, but, like, classical is very, you know, it follows a lot of rules, and there's a right way and a wrong way, and there's a lot of, like, technical aspects. Um, and I guess that's part of, like, why she was such a success in what she did was she kind of combined the two. Yeah. And also that like, she wasn't, you know, a trained singer, but that's why her voice is so like Versatile. incredibly unique and yeah. interesting. Cause it's, she wasn't trying to like hit it the right, the, the right way, you well, know, like I, I think do her own thing. And Yeah. And he, there was a, I forgot who said it, but someone in it said, like, it was a woman's voice, but it had the depth of a baritone, yeah. which is correct. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's what it sounds like. I think, actually, the first time I had heard Nina Simone was, um, I was in, like, a music appreciation class, and, you know, we were mm -hmm. talking about the different, like, vocal ranges, and, um my teacher was like, well, you know, this is a woman, but she's hitting, like, bass notes. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's hard to do, I think, for someone who doesn't have that voice naturally. Um, but I, I think part of what makes that work is she sounds so aged. Like, she sounds very yeah. wise. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of shocked by how young she had died. Um, and, you know, she, she seemed old kind of throughout her career and kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, very, like you said, wise, I guess is the right word. Yeah. It, there's wisdom in her voice. Cause I feel like that voice has to belong to someone who's just 65 forever. Yeah. Like, like they've just, they've seen, <laughs> they've seen everything. what they've seen and they can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, one of the things that kind of stuck with me the most was she did go through a lot, especially yeah. early on in her career where she, um, she said she was like beaten and raped. Right. Yeah. And like, well, uh, you know, she lived through a lot at such a young age. And I think that comes through in, you know, watching those performances where, you know, she's not exactly happy to be there, but she kind of mm -hmm. feels like, all right, well, I'm going to play you some stuff and you're going to listen. <laughs> That's what my favorite thing that I learned about her was that she would yell at people for not paying attention oh. <laughs> or leaving. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> well, because that sounds like the scariest person to confront you on your bullshit is Nina Simone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that sounds like the most embarrassing thing that could happen to a person. Like she really did not care. She, she, she's like, it takes a lot of, uh, out of me to be here to perform for you. So if you're not paying attention, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And yourself. Like, you I know, respect that. It was one of those things where I've gone to so many shows that people are just talking during and like, you know, it's like an acoustic yeah. artist and I'm like, it, I'm like, why, why can't everyone just shut the fuck up for five minutes? I get it. You it's don't... disrespectful. Yeah. I also, I think there's, there's a time and a place for, 
at a concert to be like talking and it depends on the artists and it depends on the venue. But like, I think it's pretty obvious when it's not the time. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of people just don't care. They just think it's all fine. Yeah. I saw a couple of years ago, I saw Billy Joe and Nora Jones play like a tiny show for like maybe 50, 60 people. And like half the people were just up at the bar, just chatting and Oh, that would bother me so oh, yeah. much because that sounds really nice. Oh yeah, and then at one point Billy was like, "Hey, shut the fuck up at up at the bar," but like, <laughs> it wasn't the same sort of like, you know, it, it wasn't the same sort of intimidation as Nina Simone has because, you know, I did they say how tall she is? <laughs> like she, <laughs> we were talking about like Lady Gaga's height too yeah, the last yeah. time. <laughs> Um, but like, but she, it, I'm gonna look it up right now. She looked like she was like a menacing height. She doesn't say. It doesn't say, but I feel like she was eight feet tall. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like if someone told me that, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I can see it. Um, but yeah, and you know. People leaving. There, there are some artists that are kind of trying to put in. Um, preview for John Mulaney. You're not allowed to leave once he goes on stage. <laughs> Did people do that? That's really upsetting. How was John Mulaney, by the way? I'm so excited. <laughs> he was so good. Um, ah! He's I'm like, so he, he was really funny. All n- new stuff, obviously. Um, and good. it's all really good. And like, you know, there was good energy in the crowd and like, yeah, it, it, you're going to have fun. I'm going to ask my boss if I could leave five minutes early and not tell her why, but it's for John Mulaney. <laughs> Hope she doesn't listen to this. She doesn't. <laughs> Afterwards. But I'm, I'm not going to be late. But yeah, and you're not allowed to leave once he takes the stage, so. <laughs> I had no plan to. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I can only imagine someone saying like, oh, you can... You know, it's one of those things where, like, going to shows, you know, you're kind of used to, like, I'm like, okay, I don't really like this song and I need to pee, so I'm going to, like, run to the bathroom now. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of cool to just kind of, like... <laughs> to get called out. See someone on. being like, hey, no, you can't leave. Especially yeah. back then when everything was, like, seated and, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, here the thing is like they do talk about Nina Simone's like violent streak a little bit um, in the documentary, but I read a little more about it, and she was like very scary as a person. I believe um, it. <laughs> they didn't really they didn't really go deep in the documentary. They said she was abusive to her daughter, which is bad. Right. And they said that she was, uh, you know, she had a tendency to, like, lose patience with people and yell at people. But, like, I was reading, and there were, like, several instances of her threatening people at gunpoint um, because shit. they pissed her off. Yeah, like, like several. There was, I, there was some, and it was all, like, stuff that didn't really matter enough to threaten someone at gunpoint. Right. Like, she, like, uh... I, I read something that she, like, tried to shoot at, like, someone she was working with but missed. Like, she intended to kill him. 
um, because they had some disagreement, but it was like a disagreement that should could not have mattered enough for her to, to kill him, you know? Oh, I wish that was um, But there were, like, multiple instances of this, and, like, part of me wishes they talked about that a little more, but I get why they didn't. It's hard to do that right. in a documentary where you're trying to, like, you know, like, uh, pay so, respect to this person. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, I think that they were fair in the way that they showed, like, well, you know, she wasn't good to her daughter a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And, you know, um, and she wasn't always the nicest person. And then, like, you know, but they did a good job of kind of incorporating those in something that completely, like, was an homage to her, more or less. Yeah. And I, I also think it's it's okay that they didn't go so deep into it in this type of documentary. Because yeah. um, I, I also think they did a good job with, like, prefacing it with, like, she was a very angry and emotional person, and I get why. I'm not excusing abuse. Right. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. say, like, well, they had a hard life. Abuse is fine. It's not. But it because a reason isn't the same thing as an excuse. So, like, I, I think it's okay that they, like, went a little bit into it, but not too hard. Right. They, they wanted to talk about, like, they wanted to be a little more empathetic toward her. Yes. Which is fine, because I think she did a lot of good, yeah. too. Um, there is a biopic about her that I haven't seen. Um, really? Or Cause is it? A, yeah. Um, that, that's uh, what I was thinking about during this movie is like one day they're going to make a movie about her. That's going to get like a ton of Oscar noms and it's going to be this like big sweeping drama. Um, but I have no idea who they would get to play her. <laughs> Maybe like Viola Davis, but mm. there was one with, um, Zoe Saldana that played her, Oh, which, okay. Um, oh, it only has a 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. Two? Two. So, so bad. Probably really bad. Um, but, you know. But I can see them trying to do it again. Yeah, no. Well, I think when something like that happens, they're like, okay, maybe in five years we'll try again. Um, (laughs) We have to to wait the allotted time before we try this again for awards. Um, But, yeah, I'd like to see a biopic. And it's, you know. I guess the the one thing I'd think with a biopic, you know, I feel like, you know, it could be done right, but it could also, like, play up those incidents of her holding someone at gunpoint, like, more dramatically or more, you know, there would be a lot more focus on those for the sake of yeah. making an entertaining movie, which... Eh. Like, you know... I think it's more okay to paint a person as, like, not a perfect human in a biopic than it is in, in a, a documentary, documentary about their yeah. life. Because a documentary kind of implies, I mean, depending on the person, but usually if it's, like, a beloved artist, a documentary should kind of imply that, like, overall they did good and, like, yeah. we're pay- trying to pay respect to them. I'm not saying that's what they should all be, but that's what they tend to be. Yeah. Um, in a biopic, it's and you're having an actor play them, it's okay if you, like, include the bad stuff because that makes them more of a dynamic person and then the actor can do more things and the actor might get more Oscars. (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's the end goal. 
but um but like I think it's more okay in that way to uh show the darker side of her like in more depth in a biopic which is kind of why I want one but I still like have no idea who would be good to play her because there's really no one like her yeah um I'm curious now a little bit about the biopic with the two percent um yeah, but I mean two percent. Usually, like ten percent yeah, yeah. is the lowest goes. I'm I skimmed the plot synopsis right now, and it kind of looks like it kind of looks like maybe. Have you ever seen the movie The Babe? No. Um, it's a biopic about Babe Ruth, and mm-hmm. it's kind of overly sentimental, but it's also like it like really turns up the bad stuff too Ugh. so i feel like doing both those things doesn't really work out mm. like you have to maybe not one or the other it's hard it's hard to balance it yeah I, i'm sure someone can do it I'm, I'm sure within the next few years some some poor executive is gonna have this script dumped <laughs> on yeah. his desk and they're gonna be like fix it yeah make it so it's balanced so that like we love her and hate her at the same time <laughs> I think it's hard, um, yeah. but I think it'll be done at some point. And especially since she has so many living, you know, people she had relationships with and family, you know, there's always going to be people saying like, well, you know, this is similar, but she wasn't really like this. And yeah. Um, but I felt they have enough, they have enough people to talk to. Yeah. And I felt mm-hmm. like generally this, I felt like this was more or less well-rounded. I I think so, for the most part. Um, Especially in, like, interviews with her where they really, you know, the clips of interviews with her where they showed, like, who, the way she spoke to people, like, naturally. Yeah. Um, You could kind of read that, like, she was very, like, tough and she didn't take shit from anyone and you can like take that as like something to respect or something to fear or both she seemed really like direct yeah as opposed to like you know it wasn't like if you watch an interview with an artist now where like they're trying to say all the right things and seem likable Mm -hmm. and you know feel like oh you know we're all inclusive and everything's good she's like no this is the way i am this is the way i feel and i'm going to tell you she was very brutally honest in a refreshing way like watching those interview clips were it was like really nice especially the one kind of towards the beginning where he asks her what freedom is like that's such a real answer (laughs) like that it didn't sound rehearsed the way she said it. Like, I think it, it looked really natural. Um, I don't know. I like, I, I don't think she doesn't seem like the type of person who's like constantly consulting with people to make yeah. sure she says something that doesn't offend people. Yeah. Um, I like the moment when she was playing at, um, I don't know what college it was, but she was playing at a college and she's like, you know, there's only, um, it was like, I feel like it was, it, well, I know it was like a minuscule number, but she's like, there's only, you know, a hundred black students at this 30,000 yeah. person university. And this song is for all of you where, mm-hmm. you know, artists don't do that now, you know, uh, like, they, it's not that they don't, it's just, it's, 
it's a lot of people like white people get mad when people say something is not yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot and of, I think that's still a big problem yeah. now. Yeah. And it ends up being a lot of artists, you know, are like this song, I don't care if you're black or white. And you know, it's like, you know, cool. We're all inclusive. Yeah. We're all, one big family, but it'd be kind of nice to see Kanye West say, like, this song is for, you know, all the black people here tonight. Yeah. And it's like, because I think when when white people hear, like, like this song is for black people, what they hear is, I hate white people, yeah. and you especially. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to this. And it's because people get, like, so stu- it's yeah. stupid. It's racist and it's stupid. <laughs> But um, I think it is kind of a ballsy move to say, like, this song is for you, yeah. uh, the 300 black students at this college. Yeah. Flip side is, is I think I did see someone say, you know, this, you know, if you're a person of color here tonight, this song is for you. But it was a pop punk show filled with all white kids. <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. Like, good sentiment, but like. <laughs> but like, <laughs> completely misplaced. That's funny. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh, what, what, like, in terms of, um, her, her being sampled, what was like the most, uh, familiar sample, you know, <sighs> like if you thought of her, like what, what, what would you point to? Cause there were so many. Well, I think she comes up a lot on Life of Pablo, right? Yeah. I feel like yeah, that's she probably, you know, I'm now I'm like blanking because I don't have a list. But she's on, um, doesn't he sample her at like the end of Famous? Kanye. Yeah, I think he does. Kanye sampled her a few times. Yeah. Um. Oh, it wasn't her, actually. Uh, or wait, wait. Oh, no, it wasn't? Now I'm, I'm like, skimming the Wikipedia page for <laughs> Famous. Um, uh, Famous is yet another piece of proof those two qualities are inextricably intertwined. He weaves the life of Pablo's hard-knocking beat, chords cribbed from Nina Simone and Sister Nancy's reggae classic Bam Bam. Um, so, you know, he, Kanye's, you know, I'm a huge Kanye fan and, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard her through Kanye and I can't point to something off the top of my head now. <laughs> Besides, She that. also, I, she got sampled in a song from this year of, by Jay-Z, the story of OJ. Was that her? I didn't know that. Yeah. It was, it was not, it was her, like, but it was be- altered, so it's not really recognizable. Right, okay. Like, it's her voice, and it's her song, I'm pretty sure. I don't know who wrote it, maybe it was her. But, um, but it is, it is like a Nina Simone song, um, and I think that was, I, I also think the story of OJ was like one of the better songs of the year, like it in was. terms of pop hits. Yeah, um. Jay-Z kind of got a little bit robbed at the Grammys, um, in my opinion. Um, oh, everyone got robbed at the uh, Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in terms of the rap category, I would have liked to have seen Jay-Z win a little bit. Um, or Tyler. I don't know. He, like, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm like, I'm surprised by like how much Jay Z has been able to do like so late in his career. Yeah, because he's been so so long. I feel yeah. I don't know. Didn't Ed Sheeran like get that best song award over like four people who deserved it a hundred times more? Yeah, it was like. When I wrote it out, it was like Ed Sheeran. It was like Ed Sheeran, Kelly Clarkson, Kesha, Lady Gaga, and like maybe Rihanna. And I was like, I really want Kesha to win. I wouldn't be angry. (laughs) She deserves it. I want her to be happy. Yeah. And I'm like, I wouldn't be angry if Lady Gaga won. But I'm like, I hate that fucking Ed Sheeran song. I know. I know. It's so stupid. And like... Not that I think it's such a terrible song, but one, I think it's so overplayed and meaningless, like, to the point where it just sounds like white noise. Yeah. And two, it was, this is not the year, For this, this year, 2018, this is not the time to be, like, celebrating mediocrity yeah. in white pop music Yeah. over, like, women bearing their souls, yeah. I think. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, you know, it, it would have been so nice if it went to Kesha. Same way it would have, mm-hmm. you know, I was really rooting for Lord in the best album category. And it was like insult to injury when she didn't win and then finding out everything that happened afterwards. Oh my God. Like, I don't know. It, like, not that I've ever been so invested in the Grammys, but this year's Grammys annoyed me. <laughs> Well, it's one of those things that, like, you know, being someone that writes about music, you know, I can acknowledge the Grammys Mm -hmm. don't matter because they don't, you know. You know, people like music. I like what I like. And, like, you know, I'm not going to, like, fault other people for liking stuff. But there is, like, a sense that, like, you feel validation when something you like wins. And, like, you know they've gotten the best album wrong for the past three years, <laughs> you know? Like, they're, you know, we all have different opinions, but they are wrong. No, I get it. Like, I, I, with movies, like, I do not think the Oscars matter because they don't. It's all about, they literally don't. It's all money. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, like, who donated the most to what yeah. per, what academy voter and it truly doesn't matter but i cannot help but feel very validated when like the film and the director that i was rooting for wins unexpectedly yeah. um like like oh i, I was cor- i agreed with the academy even though the academy truly doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme yeah and i kind of like you know, it's one of those things where, like, you hear that the Grammys are all political. Um, I was talking to um, John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats about, I'm going to name drop there, um, <laughs> minor, minor, minor celebrity. Um, but I was talking to him and he was like, well, you know, when the Grammys happen, you know, people send out, like, these care packages and they throw parties and invite Grammy voters and things and you have to campaign if you want to win a Grammy and he said you know it's really cool if 
someone like Justin Vernon from Bonnie Vair wins when it seems organic, but like, you know, even when something like Arcade Fire wins, it's cool, but I feel like Arcade Fire probably campaigned for it. Yeah. Um, Cause they can. Yeah. Um, which I imagine is the same with pretty much any award ceremony, except maybe the Tonys. I don't know how the Tonys work. Yeah. the to- well, I think, Admittedly, there's a lot less for them to, like, choose from. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And it also also makes a difference, like, which one of them people are seeing, because Broadway shows are expensive. Yeah. And so it better be really good, you know? Yeah. Like, if it's not getting excellent, like, perfect, flawless reviews, it's going to tank and it's going to disappear because they're expensive to produce and they're expensive to see. So it's, it's like really, and it's also like, I've, I have never in my life seen a Tony award where I was like, that's a shocking win, you know, like for best musical, like it's always who you think it's going to be. Yeah. The only time I think I saw the, the only thing that from the Tonys that ever shocked me was. Um, it was a nomination for a show called Leap of Faith. I think it was called Leap of Faith, but like it was like a really like mediocre, like musical. But I guess there just wasn't a whole lot of like new stuff that was that good that year, and they were like, "Well, we gotta have five nominees." So and yeah. Leap of Faith had already like closed, I think, by the time the Tonys came around. So. Like, I remember people, like, celebrating that Hamilton won Best Musical, and it's like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like, like, is this a shocking win for yeah. you? Like, like of course. <laughs> like, it's more interesting that Hamilton, like, won a Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Um, Nina Simone had what right. 15 grammy nominations she didn't she never won a grammy right i think she right. got like a lifetime achievement award maybe but like yeah she's gonna get inducted into the hall of fame this i mean the rock the and roll hall, hall of fame, fame this year another institution that doesn't matter <laughs> um <laughs> yeah um but yeah and she deserves it you know she's incredibly influential across genres. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She was what a- made me sad, though, during the documentary, she said that she would have been much happier if she never became a jazz singer and just did classical music like she was meant to. Yeah. That really broke my heart because I think she's so good at jazz. In a, like, she understands jazz on the level that, like, a lot of musicians don't. Like, I, I think she really got it. it the the yeah. technique and the, like, freedom and the voice. I think she she did it so well. But um, she wanted to be a classical pianist, and she was kind of thrown into jazz by accident, right? Because yeah. she just needed to make money temporarily. Yeah, and then that's kind of what stuck. I feel like, I mm-hmm. feel like that ends up happening with a handful of artists. Where, like... Yeah. Um... I think, like, Billy Joel doesn't really have interest in, like, making or performing pop music really anymore, but he still goes out and does it for a paycheck, essentially. Um, yeah, same with, same with like, um, uh, Amy Winehouse. She became a pop star by accident. Yeah. Like, 
And she truly did not want to be that <laughs> at all. Um, it, they just kind of fall into it. Yeah. And then, you know, you can't really, it, I, you know, I can't speak from experience, but I imagine it's kind of hard once you're famous to go from like, okay, well, you know, I'm making all this money doing something that a lot of people like and now I'm going to yeah. transition in back into like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it sounds like, sorry, what were you oh, saying? I was going to say like, uh, Kurt Cobain, he never intended to like reach the level of popularity he reached. He'd rather be like mildly famous. Yeah. Cause that feels, I guess that feels more meaningful to yeah. someone yeah. when they can reach like a small audience of people. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I mean, I think it sounds like Nina Simone um, never never wanted to uh, be who she eventually became. And I think part of it might have been the civil rights movement. She felt very responsible for, like inciting change and not that she said she didn't regret that part like because i I think that's like the most important part of her career probably oh definitely and i think but like sorry what oh i think it was one of those things where like she realized i have this talent and i can use it for something i really believe in yeah but i think it sounds like after the civil rights movement uh stop being part of her career like towards those 80s and 90s she seemed to really like fall down like emotionally like she was really not able to uh be comfortable as a musician without like some kind of meaning to back it up like like she felt like she i i i can it was implied they didn't never really said it that like she never she didn't really feel passionate about what she was doing unless there was like a cause behind it well it's kind of like how do you go from being the voice of your generation to yeah once you're the voice of your generation where do you go from there yeah yeah and she definitely had some like even before all of this you know undiagnosed emotional issues that like even like a normal like mentally healthy person wouldn't be able to handle like this change yeah. you know like that that's such a difficult her career and her life were just really hard yeah. <laughs> just, that was the point of the documentary i do think that they did a good job towards the end where they were talking about getting her on uh mental health uh, med- uh medication um yeah just because like you know, it, it. They kind of were. They were really honest and saying, like, you know, it. You know, we get it. Why she wouldn't want to take medication, but she right. was someone that needed it. And once she started taking it, things were a lot better. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it goes. <laughs> that's what They're I've stubborn, heard. And then they take it, and then things get a little better. Yeah. Um. um but yeah. Sorry, hold on. My my the cord connecting my laptop to the wall is like shredded. Like and I've been using it for years. Bye. Okay, sorry. What were we talking about? 
uh, mental health. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also like appreciated the way the, the daughter talked about her mother's health and it was very empathetic, but still like, you know, understandably like traumatized yeah. by what she grew up with. Cause remember the husband was also like ridiculous and a monster. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And I, she was very eloquent. I really liked her. The Nina Simone's daughter. Lisa, yeah. That was her name. Yeah. I wonder if she's done anything besides. She has, she's, she was like on Broadway here okay. and there. Um, yeah, because she, she was very open and, you know, she, she, I feel like, I, I feel like I was able to like pay attention the most during her, um, mm-hmm. moments. Um, it's funny just kind of as a documentary as a whole, like in structure, this was so incredibly different from the Lady Gaga doc. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, like, part of what people criticize about this documentary is that it's so by-the-numbers documentary. Right, Like, yeah. with the talking heads, and it's very, it's no different from that. Like, Lady Gaga documentary, was, it was like, it, was, it, it might as well have been, like, Lady Gaga being followed around with, like, a guy with an iPhone, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, because I, I do feel like I spaced out a lot watching this as a whole. But when inter- when they were talking about interesting topics, I was able to, like, focus in and, like, really pay attention. Um, but, yeah, it felt, like, it felt like watching an episode of Behind the Music. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I understand the criticism of it being, like, very by the numbers and not very interesting as a documentary. But I think it was done incredibly well. Yeah. And I think they they were really subtle in, like, the way they used certain Nina Simone songs for certain moments in the movie. Like, I, I was, like, in, a, like, a really moving, like, good way without just, like, copying and pasting a song over this moment. Like, yeah. sad song, sad moment. Like, I think, I think there was playing... There a lot of um, thought put into it. Yeah, like, I think playing I Put a Spell on You over her talking about the abuse of by her husband was like really a really good unusual choice that like really worked for that moment yeah because that's such a famous song but it's you know like it's not it usually gets thought of as like like a halloween song (laughs) a halloween song or like or like a kind of a kitschy like romantic song with that isn't taken that seriously but like when you play a song like that, that's like kind of haunting and creepy yeah. and play it over something that's like as serious as spousal abuse. Like, I think it was really well done. Um, stuff like that. Like, I think it was, it was a by the numbers documentary, but if you do it right, you know, yeah. like that's it, fine. It was, it was sort of, it's like a, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> like that. there's a reason it works. Yeah. I don't think this needed to be be like the Lady Gaga documentary or um I don't know how it could be like the Lady yeah. Gaga documentary. 
Unless if Nina Simone were alive, I, I think they would have tried to do something like that where like it's the, it's just us like with her and yeah. seeing what she's like. And like, actually, I would love to see that. But, but like, I could, you know, I don't I don't think that would work. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Also, like um, I was thinking about uh, her talking about her like fame and I okay so Nina Simone's version of the song Stars by Janice Ian I've listened to so many times (laughs) I I like a lot I'm obsessed with it and it's the version that I listened to was the version she played in the film right um and I had never like seen her do it like it was like the same recording that I listened to but I'd never like seen her face right during it and it was, this was right after the moment where she, like, gave, like, the eye to someone who was trying to leave. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's kind of... And she's, she stares at them for a long time, and then she's like, okay, now I'm going to play it. But it's, I really, like, made me love this song even more than I already did, because it's, like, about, like, the emptiness of fame and performance. And, uh, yeah, that's... That's like one of those things where like when you hear a great story about a recording and you're like, it made me really appreciate that song more. Cause I always, cause I, I think that's like a really, uh, it's a really good set. Janice Ian wrote it. Barren, strange fruit. Blood on the leaves. And blood at the roots Black bodies swinging in the sun 